All right, good to see all these young folks here. Ain't that a blessing? That'll be a good application for what I'm preaching, little as much, when God is in it. And what we've been trying to tell the folks is that if you can receive the little, and if you can embrace the little that you are, that God has made you, then He'll take care of all the big things. And if he's going to do anything big, he's always going to use the little. He's going to kill a giant, he'll use a small, smooth stone. If he's going to move a mountain, think about that. He's going to use the faith of a grain of mustard seed. And if he's going to feed a multitude, then he's going to use five loaves and two fishes. But he's able to do so much uh, out of so little. And I'll tell you, if we'll just stay little, uh, he'll do, as I say, the big things. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to Second uh, Samuel chapter number 12. Um, a reference made to the crowd tonight. Um, you know, I think that word is relative. Depends on what you're talking about. Uh, you you could take this crowd tonight and let's all go out to eat after the service and let Gunn pay for it. And then somebody asked him tomorrow, said, what kind of crowd do you have? He said, man, it's a big crowd. <laughs> so it all depends, don't it? But I found out in meetings that what happens is on Sunday morning you get your show horses. You know, they all look real pretty and they prance around and we're proud of them. We'd love to have them. But by the time you get to Wednesday night, all you got your work horses. But they're the ones needing fed anyway because they're pulling all the load and paying all the bills and, and doing all the... Of course, I'm not saying you look like horses. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that uh, I appreciate those who, uh, who do carry the load, don't you? And in every church, there's, there's uh, a handful that's doing all the work. But thank God for them. And the Lord will uh, reward all of that. When we get to heaven, and when we talk about uh, pulling all the load, I do want to thank the Lord for my wife. She does all the driving, all the cooking, all the getting the clothes ready, everything. Matter of fact, most preachers, uh, they they get on to me, they, they say, well, you're just spoiled. I said, well, what do you want me to do about that? Get mad? She even loves to mow the yard. Think about that. Mow and weed eat. She likes to do that. As a matter of fact, she was gone for a couple of weeks and I had to do the mowing and I had three neighbors stop by and ask me if she had died. But I said, no, she's she's just off and gone. (laughs) And I love Brother Roy. I'm going to tell you, you got a unique pastor and precious wife. And I love to hear them amens. I know you feel that way, I can tell, by your relationship with him. But I can say this truly in his presence, and I've said it, since being here last year, I, I, I don't know that I, and I'm in uh, around average 70 churches uh, a year, uh, and I don't know of a man of God that walks with God any any closer, desires to any more than what he does in every moment. It just seems like he he's, uh, he's finding out what God wants every moment, and uh, I certainly uh, enjoy that and appreciate that, and it also... Uh, is an instruction to me, and 
that you can you can walk with the Lord every moment if you want to. So I love you, Brother Roy, and thank you for the uh, uh, privilege of being here this week and uh, precious wife, Sandra, and we've just enjoyed it all. Thank the Lord for it. Well, we have been preaching on this matter of little, and I want to uh, just uh, take a few moments tonight and sort of wrap that up. And we're going to deal with David and Nathan the preacher or the prophet who God sent with a word to uh, to David to speak to him. And uh, I want to emphasize that uh, even a little sermon, a little sermon like what I'm doing right now, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a sermon from here. Could be that God would say something to you through somebody uh, at home or in the Sunday school class or uh, riding down the road uh, in the car. He's got ways of speaking to our hearts. But I've noticed that God doesn't have to say a whole lot to get across what he wants us to know if we'll just listen. And God gives Nathan all he wants him to say to David and If I've counted it correctly, he gives him 128 words to take to one man. That's just a small sermon. If you read those words, you can read them. I have timed myself somewhere around 90 seconds. You can read the sermon that was taken unto David by Nathan. It was just a little sermon. But here's the thing about it. Even a little sermon is much if it's got God's word in it. And he's not over there tickling David's ear. He's not over there telling David how he feels about it. He's not giving David his opinion. He's not on, he's not even getting something off his chest. He's bringing him what God said. And I'll tell you, I want to be a Nathan. I want God to be able to speak something to me so that I can speak that to someone else. And I also want to be a David in a measure in that I, I want to have an open heart and ear when God has spoken to someone else something that he wants me to hear and heed. And I I I was looking in the New Testament, red letter edition of my Bible. It's amazing that when God sent his son into this world, the Redeemer, the Son of God, Jesus, uh, you would have think that you would think that he would have had his son speak volumes upon top of volumes on top of volumes, but he didn't. I also read everything that God wanted me to know that Jesus said. The red letters of the New Testament, and you can read it in two hours and a half. Isn't that amazing? Everything. I don't know, that's not all that he said, but all that God wanted you to know that he said, you can read it in two and a half hours. My emphasis is, is that you don't need to hear a whole lot if you'll just hear what he says to you. And oftentimes, Jesus would speak in those little three-word messages. Think about that. Just a little sermon, just a little word. I preached on one of them Sunday night. Peace be still. And look what happened. Just three words. Uh, Lazarus, come forth. 
<laughs> Just three words. And look what happens. On the cross, it is finished. And look what happened. Three words. And I think if you would search your own heart in your relationship with God and the times that He has spoken to you, He has not spoken to you in paragraphs and pages. Most of the time, He'll take little excerpts from His Word or from a sermon. As a matter of fact, I I think I can prove that. If you are saved here tonight, how many of you will raise your hand and say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. How many of you were in church when you got saved? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you know every word the preacher said in that service in which you got saved? Raise your hand. Every word that the you could quote every word. Of course you can. But I'm going to tell you what happened in the midst of that sermon. Because it had God's word in it, God shot two or three words And it clung to your heart, convicted you, and you got born into the family of God. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for God's Word that is able to reach your heart and able to reach my heart? Now, I simply want to say three things about this matter of a a little sermon as much when God's Word is in it. Now, let's read the text. Look in verse number 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. Can you vision that? But the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb. That's one little female sheep, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd, to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come to him. Now imagine that in your mind. Imagine this man that has a favored favored, uh, animal. On this occasion, it is a sheep. Or it could have been a cat. It could have been... A dog, except to where we get to the place where they ate it. And uh, he has gotten close to this animal. This animal has gotten close to him. A lot of times uh, that happens. I remember as a family, we used to have a St. Bernard. Weighed over 200 pounds. They normally don't live but seven or eight years old because their hips break down on them. Or they get worms in their heart or something like that. But Henry lived to be 13 years old. And I can remember the day that he got so down that I had to call the animal shelter and they come and 
and of course tranquilized him and put him to sleep and we all just stood there with tears, me included with the kids. Had to borrow the neighbor's uh, tractor with a lift on it to, to lift him up out of that place where he was. We had a graveyard adjoining the uh, the church. So we went up there and we dug a grave in the graveyard. And we buried old Henry there. One of these days, they're going to dig down to bury somebody else. <laughs> and they're going to run into old Henry. Because I didn't vote on it. I didn't ask nobody. I just thought enough old Henry to bury him in the graveyard. Hallelujah. But here it is. He tells this story about how, how this family has come close uh, to, this, to this one little female lamb. The neighbor has a plantation, uh, a large house, is very wealthy and has no doubt hundreds upon top of hundreds of sheep. He has a, a wealthy visitor come. And of course, to impress him, he wants to provide a, a good meal. He wants some venison, he wants some sheep. But instead of going and getting one of his hundreds that he would not have missed, he goes to that poor neighbor who only has the one and um, takes that little sheep and goes and kills that sheep. Think about that. And then cooks that sheep and feeds that little lamb to that wealthy uh, guess that he has. Now this is what, this is what God has said to Nathan and he said, now what I want you to do is I want you to go tell David that. Tell David about the guy that had the one sheep and the one that had all the sheep and how that the one that had all those sheep come and took the one. I want you to go tell David that. Notice in verse number five how David reacts to this sermon that he's preaching to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. I would have been mad too, wouldn't you? And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. David said, I am furious. I am upset and I'm king. I'm going to do something about this. But notice what Nathan says to him in verse number 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Now, we're not here to deal tonight with the great sin of David, how he took Bathsheba and had her husband killed. Nobody knows about that as as far as this text is concerned. I'm talking about David. I doubt that Nathan knows anything about it. I know some of his, uh, some of his soldiers know about it, but it's been, it's been a secret for approximately a year. But now God has sent him to give him this little sermon that is so filled with God's Word. Notice what happens in verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
Here are the works and the effects of a little sermon that has God's Word in it, that's turning, turning, turning the king's heart. Aren't you glad for the times that the Word of God has turned your heart and who knows where you would be tonight if it hadn't turned your heart? If the Word of God hadn't turned my heart as a 14-year-old boy to where I could have accepted Jesus and received the truth of how... If I hadn't received that little word that I heard that Jesus died for me, was buried, and rose again the third day, I may be in hell right now. And even since then, who knows the wrong roads I would have taken if God hadn't sent somebody to give me a little word. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned. Notice in verse number 15, And Nathan departed unto his house. And then verse number 20, And David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel. He's doing an about face. And came into the house of the Lord. And after a long year's absence, he worships. Now why does he do that? Because God sent a sermon that had God's mighty word in it. And he said in Isaiah, my word which I have sent out of my mouth shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish it whereto I have sent it. Now there are simply three things that I want to say. Don't want to hold these young folks long. I just want to give them a sermon that has some word in it. A sermon about a fellow that has all kind of sheep and one that just has one. A guy that's rich and a guy that's poor. And how that he takes that little female sheep from him. It is a word to David because this is exactly on a different level what David has done. Three things I want to say to you about this sermon here that has God's word in it. That I want you to hear. First of all, as I listened, as I read what Nathan was told by God to say to David, I realized that this sermon that's filled with God's word was very practical. In other words, God's word applies to Every one, every day, and any day. God's Word applies to right now. He knows. Here's what I want you to understand. He knows what you can hear, and He knows what you need to hear. He has put in Nathan's heart, What David can hear and what he needs to hear. Aren't you glad that the Word of God is so simplistic and so practical that even a child can hear it and can also understand it? You don't have to be someone of a great and high intellect You don't have to be a brain surgeon or, as some would say, a rocket scientist. But God knows, God knows what you need to hear. He knows what 
you can hear and what you can receive. This sermon is an illustration. Oftentimes, Jesus would take birds and make an illustration out of them. Uh, he would take flowers and make an illustration. The birds of the air have nests. The, the, uh, the, the foxes of the fields have holes. But the Son of Man hath not to where to lay his head. He would use plants like the mustard seed. But in this case, God has chosen a sheep. And he wants Nathan to go and preach to David about a sheep because it is very practical and David will be able to understand this. David uh, will be able to hear this. Now listen to me. God knows your language. No matter if you're five years old or you're 50 years old. He knows no matter if you're from North Carolina or you're from California or from China or from Russia. Thank God the Lord knows your language. He knows your dialect and He knows your accent. He knows what you can hear and what you need to hear. Now, I've told you I was born and raised back in the mountains of West Virginia, and they say things there different than most other places. And when I married my wife, she's from here in North Carolina. And I remember the first time I told her, I said, I'm going to go out and wash the car. She said, you're going to do what? I said, I'm going to wash the car. Because everybody in West Virginia, if you hear them talk about it, they go wash something. They're washing clothes, they're going to wash the car. She said, that's, no, you mean wash. Wash. I said, no, I mean wash. She said, it ain't even, that can't be right. That can't be right. Have you looked at that word, W-A-S-H? It's, it's wash. I said, no, you can't be right. Cause have you ever thought about Washington? I mean, everybody knows Washington. That's why we had our little dif- disagreements because, you know, and if you've ever been up through the New England states, you need an interpreter, I'll tell you that. We went up on a motorcycle. I'm telling you, we couldn't even, I mean, being from the south, we couldn't even order a hamburger. They just, they could not understand hamburger. Too many syllables, I guess. And there's only one word that I, I could pick up on. I noticed all the way up through those New England states, especially around Boston and those areas, they, they always talked about Hawaii. I just, I, I wonder, they walk up to one another and say, Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii. I thought, what? What are you saying that here in Maine or in Boston, uh, in Massachusetts, whatever? And then it dawned on me. They were saying, how are you? Hawaii, Hawaii. I told my wife, I said, I finally got one word. We can communicate. And I said, the next guy, I see, I'm going to actually, please, please don't do that. And I noticed this fellow walking across the street there, and I, I just wanted to catch his eye, and he, and, and he did. He turned and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I said, Hawaii. He said, fine, fine. I said, well, we're, we got, we at least got one word. Well, here it is in our text. That God says to Nathan what he knows that David can hear. He can understand, and it is what he needs to hear. 
God knows what you need to hear from His Word. That's why He puts it on the heart of His servant. A lot of folks think what preaching is, is you you just... Uh, Open your Bible and you say, eeny, meeny, all of and you drop your finger, and that's where you go to preaching. No, you get along with God, and you let Him warm your heart and speak to your heart. And it becomes a revelation to you, and He says, here is what I want you to preach. And the reason why He does is because there's someone there that needs to hear what God is going to say through you and to you. Here it is in a very practical sense. David understands what's being said. He talks about, uh, of course, this sheep. Now, what was David in the beginning? Before he slew uh, Goliath, what was David? He was a shepherd over his daddy's sheep. So he knows all about these sheep. And when Nathan begins to talking about someone preying upon that one little sheep, in his mind he remembers how that the bear and a lion, there was a bear and a lion. Can you imagine that? That came one day and was going to devour a sheep and David said, I killed that bear and that lion. This is what's coming to his mind. It's just opening up to him. Because the Word of God is so practical. If it doesn't apply, I'm going to tell you, if it doesn't apply to you, it ain't going to do you no good. And here David understands it is very practical. He knows something about sheep. He knows something about praying upon sheep. He also knows what it's like to be abused and persecuted by someone else who's dominant, as this rich neighbor was, because he's had to run for, uh, for he had to run for ten years at least from Saul, who dominated him, and he also knows what it's like to lose something precious to him, because it was Saul that took Micah, David's wife, and gave her to another man. He, he could relate to all of that. God knew what he needed to hear. Hallelujah. And I'm glad he knows that. I was preaching in Kentucky and there was a gentleman there. He said, preacher, years ago, he said, "Um, I had been telling my pastor that I was trying to get some of my family members who were lost to come to church. And he said, finally, on one Sunday morning, on Friends Day or whatever it was, he said, I had five or six of my cousins there, and they were all lost. And I told the pastor, excited before service, I said, Pastor, I've got five cousins here that are all lost. And he said, I figured what he'd do is he'd go, you know, he'd preach a good sermon on salvation at least, or a good sermon on forgiveness, or a good sermon on grace. But he said, no, he got up and preached a pastoral sermon about how people ought to act and be as far as God's people in the church and out of the church. And he said, I thought there and said, man alive, he has missed it. Said he, 
closed his Bible, gave an invitation. He said, all five of my cousins came forward and got saved. <laughs> he said, I learned right there, God Almighty knows what needs to be said. We'll just have to leave it up to Him. Even a little sermon, if it's just about sheep and, and what have you, if it's God's Word, it'll do the job in our hearts. God knows what we need to hear as He knew what David needed to hear. But I do want to say this, and I'll move on to my second thought. No matter where the text is, no matter what the verse is, always, and I know you can make this application, always, if God says anything, the heart of everything He ever says will have a little lamb in it. You understand what I'm saying? If that word ain't somewhere, somehow connected to a little lamb, it ain't God's word. (laughs) Everything I preach is because of Jesus. Hallelujah. And it points me back to Jesus. And as C.H. Spurgeon said, choose you a text anywhere in the Bible, but as soon as you can, cut cross country and get to Calvary because that's what the whole Bible is about. From Genesis to Revelation, and when we get to glory, it's still going to be about the Lamb. Hallelujah. The heart of every sermon and every thought leads us back to the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. I'm glad of that. I say to you that when God... God, even a little sermon is much when it's packed with dynamite. God's Word. <laughs> the power of the gospel. Aren't you glad of the power of the gospel? I'm not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel. For it is the power, the dynamo, the explosive power of God. And boy, it's a rumbling right here. It's a rumbling right here. So I say to you that even a little sermon is much when God's Word's in it because God's Word is practical. God knows what you and I need to hear. But then the second thing I want to point out to you is in verse number 1, the first part of it. God is not sending this to just anybody. Young people, you listen to me. There will be those times when God will tailor, make, and design a word for you. Because in verse number 1, he says to Nathan, here's what I want you to go and say to who? Who did he want him to say it to? David. This this word of God must be and always will be personal. Personal. Let me ask you as a church and I ask these young people, has God through his word ever spoken to you and you said, "Uh uh-oh, I know who that is. That is God. I said before, I said again, I was not raised in church, raised around religion. My dad was an alcoholic. 
all of his days. I never read one verse of the Bible. No praying in our home. The name of the Lord was not mentioned, but what it wasn't mentioned in vain. My mother left when I was a year and a half old. My daddy raised nine children with that, with, in that environment. Never remarried. So I knew nothing about that. But I'll tell you something. Through the providence of God, I ended up in the house of God one day, and they told me that little message. The only thing I remember about it is that Jesus died for me, was buried and rose again the third day, and that He would forgive me of my sins and He would save me. It lodged right here, but it didn't do any effect. had no effect. Until I was walking down that little alley all by myself. And guess who showed up? The Holy Ghost, the Lord Jesus. I had never met Him, never had talked to Him, nor had He ever talked to me. I didn't even know that there was a God until He showed up. And you know what He did? He took what was right here that that preacher had preached, and he said, everything that preacher said about me, I do love you, I did die for you, I was buried, and I rose the third day, and I want to save you, and I want to do it now. And you know what I said? I said, okay, I'm ready. And he spoke to my heart. And I cannot tell you the innumerable times in 47 years that the Holy Spirit has taken a verse here, a word here, a phrase here, whether I have read it or someone has preached it or someone has told it or maybe even in a song, and he's caught my attention and said, Hey, it's me again. This one's for you. And a fellow tell me in the church one time, He's the last one going out, and he shook my hand. He said, Brother Dana, you could have dismissed everybody here today. I said, what are you talking about? He said, this one was for me. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the times that God Almighty has awakened the preacher or has has uh, has designed a word that he would breathe? And aren't you glad for the words that God has sent, especially for you? He sent it for David. He sent it for David. Thank God for the words he sent to me. Where would David have ended up if God hadn't been precious and sent him a word to deliver him? A lot of folks think that all the time, every time God sends the word, it's to, to hurt you. No, God sends the word because he loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to deliver you. Young folks, God has a word for your heart. It's a personal word. But you know, David didn't realize that word was for him to begin with. That's the reason why he gets agitated, because he thinks this word is for somebody else. If we're not careful, we'll just come into the house of God, just ho-hum, and we'll just say, well, that's for old Bill over there, and John over there, and Betty back there. I can see how that applies. I was thinking, preacher, about everybody that could have hit. I wish they'd have been here tonight. could have hit them. <laughs> well, the only problem is, if you're thinking about everybody else it could hit, it ain't helping you. And I don't expect everything that I should preach or anybody else preaches to speak to me or to speak to you, but we ought to come to the house of God saying, God, if you got a word, I want to hear it. Because I might need deliverance by this time tomorrow. If you got a special word for me, I don't want to get my mind on everything else. I want to hear what you've got to say to me. 
But as we begin with this, David's not aware. David's not aware. He's brought a word in this sermon to him, and David gets mad. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And you can tell he's all warped because he talks about killing the guy and then making him pay back. Well, how are you going to kill somebody and make them pay back? Looks like he'd turn that around, make them pay back, and then kill them. But he ain't getting it. He ain't getting it. You know, it's kind of like we've got four young'uns and 13 grand young'uns. Woo! I love him, 13 grand young'uns. I love the four young'uns, but 13 grand young'uns. Woo! But you know what you can do with them little babies? They get up a month too old. Inevitably, what you're going to do is you're going to take them over and put them in front of the mirror. You want them to see themselves. But the only problem is, to begin with, they don't see themselves. They see that strange-looking object in the mirror. Who is that? And they just, they look at it. But they think it's somebody else. And so it really don't mean anything to them. They just kind of look at it. But you keep taking them before the mirror. And I don't know when it's going to happen. Maybe four months, three months. I don't know. You'll have to try that on the next baby that comes. But all of a sudden, they look in the mirror and they raise a hand. They think, that must be me. And then they make a face and they say, well, that's me. And then they're amused, they're mesmerizing that whatever they do takes place in that mirror because they now have found out that the baby in the mirror is them. (laughs) The only way this book is going to do you any good is the day when you look in the mirror of God's Word. Those times when you say, hey, that ain't somebody else, that's me! It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I understand not every sermon I preach is supposed to reach everybody. It don't bother me when somebody goes to sleep. Just lay over on somebody's shoulder. Just don't snore too loud. That's that's all. Because maybe it ain't what you need to hear. But it ought to be your prayer to say, God, if you've got something that precious mirror that's especially for me, I want to realize when I look in the mirror that, hey, that's me. And finally David realized it. And he looks in that mirror of the Word of God and he says to he says to the prophet Nathan, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's me! At times when I have read the Word of God, and it was talking about Jacob, but the Holy Ghost said, You know who that is, don't you? And I said, Yeah, that's me. That's me. The times when I've read the Word of God and saw Simon Peter, and the Holy Ghost said, You know who that is, don't you? And I had to say, That's me. And how precious it is when God Almighty will bring a word especially to you so you can realize, hey, this one is for you. I got a special word and it's for you. And if you keep those ears open and those hearts open, I promise you, God Almighty will speak to you personally. And you will say, oh, I heard him. I heard what he said. He spoke to me. Even a little sermon is much because it's so, it's got God's word in. God's word is practical. He knows what you need to hear. God's word is personal. He knows who needs to hear it.
But then let me give you uh, this last thought. I want you to know that God's Word, and this is the importance of preaching, and the appreciation of the Word of God when you read it and memorize it, is that the Word of God is the only thing that could have met the need of David's heart. I don't care what kind of social program you had to put together, it would not have taken care of what was going on in David's life. And no matter what comes out of Washington, no matter what comes out of Raleigh, no matter the great programs they put together so-called to help mankind, I'm going to tell you, the only real help for mankind is the Word of God. The only thing that was going to change my life and my world after the way I had been raised, only thing that was going to change my direction was a word from God, a powerful word from God. And aren't you glad that God's word is powerful? A sharp, two-edged sword. It will do in your heart and life ever. Hey, the Word of God will do in you and for you what nothing else can do. R.G. Lee, that great preacher, said this. He said, there's nothing wrong with me, but what a good sermon from the Word of God can't cure. Isn't that true? So, preacher, but you don't know where... Oh, but God's got a word that can change that. David is headed down the road of destruction. But here we find that a little sermon, just a little sermon, just a few words from the man of God is going to turn his world around. Why? Because a little sermon with God's word in it so Profitable. It is profitable. It is not only practical and personal, it is profitable. You say, well, how, how is it profitable? Well, if you look in verse number 13, it changed his demeanor. His whole spirit changed. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned. The word of God will let you see yourself. Like nothing else will. It not only changed his demeanor, it changed his direction. Verse 20. David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord. It has changed his direction. But not only has it changed his direction, it has changed his devotion. The Bible said, and worship. Now, I don't know what David's been doing for a solid year that he's been running from God, and it's supposed that it was a year or so because of the birth and death of this baby. But I'll tell you this much, he ain't been doing any worshiping because you can't worship when your world is filled with sin and iniquity and hidden secrets. And you can change the names of all those different sins all you want to, but you cannot lift the condemnation. And David is having to live with that. But thank God now he is able because the Word of God has reached his heart and cleaned and routed out all 
all of that. And now he's able to come before a holy God with a holy heart again. And he's able to worship. And don't you know he raised them hands high and said, God, thank you for your word that you sent that changed my world and got me back on track. If he hadn't got that little word from God. You know, David is one of those great Old Testament types of Christ. It would have marred that type. Some have debated on the 23rd Psalm. The greatest Psalm in the book of Psalms. As to whether he wrote it when he was young. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. Or whether he wrote it when he was old. I don't know. But I do know he wrote a lot of Psalms. But if he hadn't heard that word and it hadn't changed his world, he'd have wrote none of those psalms after he fell into sin. And you and I would have been left without possibly the 23rd psalm, but certainly many other psalms. But no, God's word changed that. Now you think about your husband. And you think about your wife, where would they be versus where they are now if God's word hadn't turned their lives around? You think of some of your children. I think of my four children that are serving the Lord right now. Where they would have been if all they would have had was religion handed down from dad. I'm glad God spoke to their hearts. And even more personal, where would you be? Had you not heard a special word from God? A powerful word. I ain't talking about that jolly Osteen stuff. I call it fortune cookie preaching. And dawned on me one day eating the Chinese place. I opened my little fortune cookie. He's got that little fortune in there. I said, that's what. What he, that's where he gets his sermons. He's Chinese every Saturday night and then he's got something to say, but it ain't really nothing to say. I'm glad that God has a word that is life changing that will turn your life around. But not only that, even after your life has been turned around, you still need those specific personal life changing words to keep you on track. They are so very powerful. It's what David needed at this point in time of his life. It's what you need and it is what I need. A word from God. Just a word. Hundred. 128 words in that sermon. But I'll think about them three-worded sermons that Jesus preached. Had a fellow just tell me just the other day, he said, Preacher, I was sitting in church. And he said, the preacher got up and said, I was a member of that church. And he said this, Who is your king? And he said, Jesus spoke to my heart and said, I am not your king. And he said, I hit that altar as fast as I could. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus, I want you 
to be my king. He said those three words, four words changed my life. Had a fellow that worked in the prisons. He was a guard. And he said there was a prisoner in there. And he said, I was putting them all in the cells there. And he said, one of those prisoners who was a Christian hollered out and called my name. And he said, hey, chief, what you need to do is let go and let God. Said, I just looked at him and snarled and said, what are you talking about? But he said, I went back home that night. When I laid down my bed, I couldn't get rid of those words. He said, over and over. And I kept waking up in the night and said, when are you going to turn loose of your life and let God have it? And he said, finally, I turned loose. I went to the house of God and I got saved. Hallelujah. Preaching in Springfield, Illinois. And I was coming out of that service. And a little old lady, 86 years old. 86 years old. What's her name, huh? I've done forgot. Dixie. Oh, sweet woman. Sweet woman. Full of the Holy Ghost. But I was going out, and she looked sparkle in her eyes. And she said, Preacher, three words got me. I said, what? Excuse me? She said, three words got me. I said, three words? Said, yeah. Said, I was raised in church. Said, I taught Sunday school all my life. Said, my, my parents were, uh, my dad was a deacon and, and my mama was involved in church. But she said, I was sitting one night all by myself on the couch and I was reading John 10. And he, she said, I read over there in John 10, said, I was reading, said, and my sheep hear my voice. And she said, the next three words got me, said, I know them. And she said, when I read, I know them, said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I don't know you, and you don't know me. And she said, preacher, (laughs) I'm going to tell you with a gleam in her eye. 86, she said, I fell off of that couch into the floor, and I found out who he was. Because of a little word that God had sent. Don't take any of God's words for granted. Because that's what you need. And that's what's going to work in everyday living. And that's what's going to change your world and change your life. Even a little sermon. Oh, Nathan never knew. I imagine, I imagine when God come to Nathan and said, I'm, you're going to be preaching tomorrow. He said, I am? Wow. Is it going to be at the First Baptist Church? So no, I only got one person's going to be. You mean I got to preach a whole, get a whole sermon ready for one person? I said, yeah, you do. I said, what I want you to do is go down there and preach to him about sheep. I said, preach to the king about sheep? Well, you just think I'm a redneck preacher. You think I'm this old toe-headed farmer. Because he don't know what David's into. But God did. Right now, God's stirring up words, forming words, that in one way or another, the Holy Ghost will deliver them to your heart. But here's what I want to close with. I want to be, I want to be the Nathan that God can arouse me and put a word in my heart for somebody else. But I also want to be a David who can hear. Hear. Young people, you're going to have to do a lot of hearing. And you should do a lot of hearing. From your parents, from the teachers, from whoever. But I'm going to tell you the most important hearing that you can do 
is to hear what, have a keen ear for what God says to your heart. Because that is what's going to carry you through. Let's stand. I'll ask my wife if she will to come and play at the piano. It could be in this service that uh, the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. Some of you young people, others. And you say, well, preacher, I, I, I'm not saved, but, but he has spoken to me. And I, I want to be saved. He has spoken to me tonight. I need to be saved. Hallelujah. He will save you right now. And it may be some of you here that say, Preacher, I'm in, I'm in a fix. Not like maybe David's, but I, there's some things going on in my life. And, and, and I, I, it's been a while since I heard from him. I need a word. Well, come and ask him for that word. And then maybe somebody's here tonight and say, Preacher, I, am, I was just thinking about the time when God sent his word to my heart that I don't even know where I'd be if I hadn't heard that word. Well, why don't you spend a moment down here in front? Maybe we can close out this meeting thanking Him for the most important thing that He ever did for you other than dying on the cross is He sent you the truth. And when we get to heaven, I'm just, you know, I muse over what I'm going to ask all of those Old Testament saints and New Testament saints. One of the things I'd like to ask David is said, David, what's the best sermon you ever heard? Oh, he said you wouldn't believe it. It's about a little old lamb that God put in an old preacher's heart, an old prophet. And I can't tell you what he did, what it did for my life. And if there's any turning around in anybody's life, it'll start with a word from God from somewhere. While she sings, you'll be obedient. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I need to hear a word. Do you have a word for me? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Wonderful Have you heard His word about salvation? Are you ready for heaven? Let me more of their beauty see. Wonderful, Wonderful words. I heard them as a 14-year-old boy. Been hearing them for 47 years. Of life and Teach me faith and beauty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life Christ the blessed, blessed one gives to all wonderful words
yes to, to the loving call wonderful words of life all so freely given wooing us to heaven beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of life you know when you're around folks a lot you notice their actions and their spirit and so on and then when it changes all of a sudden you pick up on that Did you hear the talk in the palace, the people that worked there and ministered to David? Off, I can hear them talking, what's, what's wrong with the king? Have you noticed the king lately? He used to go up to the temple three times a day. I don't even think he's been up there once in the last month. Yeah, I noticed there's a difference in his demeanor. He's, he, I don't know, it's just, something must be bothering him. And then the day came. Somebody said, boy, have you noticed the difference in the king? He's singing the old hymns as he walks through the palace. I saw him on the throne the other day. I was walking by that desk and he had his hand up there. Seems like he goes up to the temple eight or nine times and says he can't get enough of it. Somebody said, well, what do you think happened? I don't know, but I saw the preacher go to his house the other day. Must have been something out of that. And it was. He got a life-changing word. I want some more of that, don't you?